Welcome to the Dynasty Force Podcast with your hosts, Billy Brisbane and Robert Mantuano. That trade just made my fucking day. Welcome in, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Dynasty Force Podcast. Back with you again on another Wednesday. Today is March 3rd, 2021. With me, as always, Billy Brisbane at Getting Bills on Twitter. You heard his joy before, uh, you know, anything else, really. Uh, Bill, you want to go on, go in on that real quick oh, and, and tell man. about your happiness to the people? It's rare that you get the excitement about fantasy football in the middle of the winter on the same exact week as NBA All-Star Weekend and three title fights on a UFC card. But, man, does the NFL find a fucking way man jared cook just got released i have all the adam troutman across my leagues i've been i've been scratching my head like fuck who am i gonna start next year at tight end in some of these leagues i'm looking at cameron Brait, tyler croft we're getting real ugly if uh that jared cook release didn't happen and then on top of that we flipped over one of the guys that we talked about that's on our trade targets and we traded away jameson crowder for Brian Edwards and a 2022 second round pick from one of the worst teams in the league. That is what you call a Wednesday in the fucking office working, man. It's been a great day, Rob. I can imagine, dude. Um, I have been in the office myself in a new startup. I invited uh, one of our guests here. Well, actually, you and one of our guests. And you're both not in it, sadly. So we have to wait for Trey to come in to talk about it and Trey will be in in about uh I want to say 20 minutes or so hopefully uh he will get back from his doctor's appointment then or his girlfriend's doctor's appointment I should say um but until then it is Bill it is I and it is our guest today Chris Robin Detroit Beastie back again um, I wish I had a clap track in here for you. No, no, l- listen, for, for, <laughs> for just a second. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be a jerk. But, Rob, uh, am I, I'm kind of more than a guest here, and I'm not trying to be You're, all egomania. I'm like an honorary, like I'm in a part of the team, you know? You so well to be. keep calling me a guest, is, I feel like I'm getting put down here, boys. <laughs> You're basically like Bill and Trey are full-time hosts. You're basically the part-time hosts. And when we need that nice, you know, extra fourth voice in here, we know who exactly to call. Um, I want to say that Chris has more episodes on the Dynasty Fourth podcast as a guest um, than like all of our other guests combined. So there you go. Honorary part time guest host, uh, Chris Robin. I'll settle for that. I don't like the honorary <laughs> title. Let's just call it what it is. I'm just busting your balls. We're, everyone's in a good mood. Uh, the sky is blue. It's like 50 degrees out here and on oh, the yeah. east side. And, you know, it's uh, the beginning of March. Normally here in Detroit, it's like 10 degrees and nasty, right. but it's like spring. Yeah. Driving it's, around with my sunroof open. Yeah. The wind is normally just making it 10 times worse. Yeah, Cuts I, right through you. Yes. <laughs> I feel that. Um, we got a packed show for you today. Uh, we got some news to talk about, some news that Bill m- mentioned a little quickly, but a little more than that. We have a nice quick question based on a trade, which I think is good that we're going to talk about this when Trey isn't here because it's tr- a trade that Trey made and wanted us to talk about so uh, he can 
you know, go back and listen to our thoughts on it, our uh, unbiased thoughts. Um, we have an upcoming schedule based around free agency that I'm going to break down for everyone. And then we have dynasty debates on this. We have four good questions that, I mean, I think kind of, you know, are st- have strategic answers, except for maybe one of them, which is like a player comparison. But uh, no, like the others are sort of related to how you want to play in your dynasty league. So I think they uh, will lead to good advice. So I'm excited for that. So let's just get into the show. Um, if you are not following us on Twitter, Dynasty Force Pod is where we're at. If you're not following us on YouTube, Dynasty Force Podcast, all these episodes that are live on Twitter are live on YouTube as well. We're open for comments. We are open for trade advice. We're open for roster advice. We're open for whatever. So feel free to either comment while we're live or uh, hit us on Twitter. Uh, as I mentioned, the Dynasty Force Pod. You can hit me at Fantasy Force FB. Bill at Getting Bills. Uh, Trey is at FF Superflex Guru, and I'm going to offer Chris because I'm sure he's for the people as well at Detroit Beastie on twitter so absolutely i pride myself on getting back to anybody who messages me or reaches out so thank you for that rap ah, i'm glad i could plug you um that's what i'm here for um let me pull up the exact exact trade that we're going to talk about here so the league is two quarterbacks uh 12 teams full ppr and it's a 0.75 tight end premium three wide receiver two flex so it's pretty deep um Two quarterbacks instead of the super flex, the 0.75 tight end premium. So it's value to a lot of the positions in fantasy. So the trade is Michael Thomas. MT. I'm going to write this down as you're talking, although you sent it to me ahead of time. Yeah, so I know you've done your notes already, and extra notes never never hurt. Um, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, so that's the name, uh, 110 in this 2021 draft. They get back Austin Hooper. DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Henry Ruggs, and the 302. So these are these are, you know, wide receivers core swaps. The whole, you know, big cores is switching here. Um I do know which side Trey is on in this one, but I'm going to hold that back for now. Let's head over to Bill first for this one. Uh yeah, some time to Take a look at this. Give your thoughts on it. What do you What are you thinking here? To be honest with you, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't even think this trade's even close. I mean, I think with, that that was my initial reaction too. But what side is it not close for Billy? Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I like DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley and Henry Ruggs. I think those are really good players, and I think they do have some upside. But I feel like with DK Metcalf, you can buy Tyler Lockett at a cheap, way cheaper price. So I just made a move for Tyler Lockett this week and got him at way more than I thought that like he was going for. Like I got a future first round pick out of it. I was like, damn, sign me the fuck up. And then with uh, Calvin Ridley, I like Calvin Ridley. And then Henry Ruggs, I'd rather buy uh, Brian Edwards for a not even close to the same price tag. I think Henry Ruggs is a little overrated. And I don't really want the 302 in this uh, upcoming draft class unless you're doing something with it. But I know this is a super flex league. So a 302 might give you a little something on it. But I just think 
Michael Thomas has the upside of playing with either Taysom Hill, where he had a huge target share, or Jameis Winston, where he just airs out the ball and throws interceptions and is like a Madden fantasy quarterback. And then Justin Jefferson is just, I think, a tier ahead of any of these wide receivers that we're looking at in this trade besides DK Metcalf. Uh, I I would definitely side with the Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, the 110, because that 110 might be a quarterback like, uh, what's that dude's name? Lance? Wilson, yeah, my father, Mac yeah. Jones, whatever. That's what I'm saying. Like You can do a lot with that 110 in this upcoming draft. And depending on how sharp your league is, I really think that people are going to overdraft the quarterbacks that fall inside the first round because of their draft capital. And then some running backs like uh, the dude from uh, North Carolina, Javante Williams, I think his name is. Uh, like A guy like him, I think he's going to drop in some of these rookie drafts, and I don't understand. Yeah, um, what's funny is this is actually the Fantasy Forecast Listener League. So a lot of our, uh, you know, the the people who are in this league do listen to this podcast. So they actually already know this trade, already, um, you know, understand both sides of it and know which side trades on. So it's funny uh, that, you know, I, I'm talking about this here and I'm also not trying to uh, give too much le- leeway on who's where. But um, I... I Definitely agree with you, Bill, on the Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, M110 side of it. I, w- I would be on that side as well. I also am not as big on DK Metcalf as a lot of people are just the way that the Seahawks are trending. I think if they continued how they were last year, yeah, DK Metcalf is a top 10 dynasty receiver. But the way that they are trending towards running the ball more and throwing the ball less, that kind of shies me away from DK Metcalf a little bit. Um, as you mentioned, Henry Ruggs, 302, even Austin Hooper in, you know, it's a one, or I'm sorry, it's a 0.75 tight end premium. So there is value for Austin Hooper in this league. But I mean, when you're comparing them to a guy like Michael Thomas, I don't think it compares. And then, you know, Justin Jefferson, a tier ahead of, of DK Metcalf. I think the 110 more than makes up the, for, you know, like, obviously I'd rather have Calvin Ridley than the 110, but uh, Justin Jefferson, I'd rather have a lot more than DK Metcalf, at least personally at the moment. What were you saying, Bill? Uh, I just wanted to say something real quick. For people that are in redraft leagues, I know this is Dynasty Talk and uh, it's the Dynasty offseason, but sometimes you got to keep in mind some of the redraft ADPs. Dude, Michael Thomas is going like the fourth, fifth round in uh, redraft leagues this year. That's a fucking steal. Yeah, uh, we'll see if that remains. I mean, you know, they could. Uh, get to Sean Watson at quarterback, and then that would immediately end. Um, so, you know, who knows what's going to happen. If he's there in the fourth round, though, no matter who the quarterback is, I agree. He's he's definitely a steal at that pick. Chris, uh, do you have similar thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm in lockstep with you guys here. And if you look at – I use Fantasy Football Calculator a lot. I'm not sure if you're aware of that website. It's fantastic. But it, I, I'm looking at it now. I, you know, I'm always on there. And some of these ADPs are where they have these guys or kids going overall. It's just It just seems off to me. They have DK going like 16th overall, Ridley going like 19.4 overall, and MT is 20th overall. And they have Justin Jefferson going almost 40th overall in a full point PPR. And again, that's that's not happening. It's March 3rd. So all this stuff is just jumbled because they get their, uh, 
they get all their info from from collectively i'd like to think from other mock drafts in this time of the season i don't if you're like me i just do wild stuff in mock drafts just to see what works i mean it's not a real life draft it's not real time so i just play around and fool around with it but but justin jefferson going 40th overall there's something wrong with that i, I wouldn't use i wouldn't use that number as my own cuz i would be laughed out of the fantasy football community here but yeah michael thomas justin jefferson and that 110 to me is really icing on the cake given the fact you're getting back Hooper, a uh, premier or not, whatever. You know, in, in redraft leagues, I would imagine there's a case to be made. I'm not saying this is it, but there's a case to be made that Hooper uh might not even go drafted if it's a if it's a 10 team, you know, uh league with, with small benches, you know, 10 team league and you got five bench spots. What what's the point, or excuse me, what do you think that the percentage is that Hooper even goes drafted in that? I know that's not the, the league you're talking about, but DK and Ridley, that's a very nice wide receiver combo. But oh, so is Michael Thomas and Justin Jefferson. This trade seems to me like like the Hooper DK Ridley team is they've it seems to me like they're just they're not interested in, in Michael Thomas anymore. They they've jumped or that they've cut bait with Michael Thomas. And that's that's your own decision to make. I'm not. If I can get him, as Billy said, in the fourth or fifth round of redraft leagues, that's a win for me. And 20th overall, sign me up. And then you throw in rugs. Uh, oh, well, he's just at this point, uh, which is still very early. Rugs just looks like in this trade mind you, he, he's like a throw-in. It's like, well, this is what I want. This is what you can have. And, oh, I'll throw in rugs to maybe sweeten the deal here. But uh, will rugs break out at any point? Who knows? That's a conversation left for a better better date and time. But I'm 100% on Thomas, uh, JJ, and that 110. And that 110 is, is so valuable because, as Billy was kind of alluding to, you can play with that. There's so many different – you know, options to go to. You can spend the next month or two, you know, at adding and trading with other teams in, in lieu of what I'm going to do with the 110. So if the team that's getting MTJJ and the 110, they have some work to do and they have some planning to do. Where do I want to go with that 110? I think that that is uh, very important for that other team owner. Oh, uh, missed the button, but yes, um, I agree completely. Wouldn't it be interesting if he got back uh, with the 110, he got back Kyle Pitts, and then you look at the situation, and it's like Kyle Pitts versus Austin Hooper, and it's Kyle like... Kyle Pitts ain't going 110 in a, in a dynasty premium, dude. He's a top the only The only reason I say he might is because this is two quarterback, so maybe the premium for quarterback is a little higher in this league, or... Yeah, in this fantasy league, and then uh, you have a situation where a ton of teams inside that top nine need quarterbacks. A ton of quarterbacks are going in round one, uh, which maybe. You never know. Rob, I don't have a crystal ball, but in this league that you're talking about, I, I would imagine that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence and then it's going to be Justin Fields, and then right. it's going to be Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts will not even make it to the fifth overall. He's going to be third or fourth in my opinion. Interesting. But real quick, if I may, I, I, I've never, it's funny that you mentioned that, Billy or, or Rob, where you can say, well, I got Michael Thomas and JJ. And then instead of saying the 110, you insert the player that you got. Right. That, that makes the trade all that much more, you know, ridiculous here. So it depends on, I've never really even had that conversation. I think that's a topic that we need to discuss here at another time. When you have a trade, do you add in the player that you got when you revisit the trade? Because that would just make it unfair in, in my eyes. I 
Chris, uh, to answer your question real quickly, I do. Uh, one of my startup leagues, my home league actually, we transferred over to a dynasty league last season. And I had the eighth pick overall, and I was on the clock. And I had Michael Thomas. And I traded away that pick for a future this upcoming draft first-round pick. And that pick is going to end up being uh, Harris or Etienne or Chase or something like that. And to me, I got Clyde Edwards-Solaire and Harris for – Michael Thomas, I think you have to throw in the player. I feel like that's what makes trades more risky in this time that you can flip away a 2021 first or something like that or a second, and you don't even know if that's going to be a valuable pick or not. I agree completely. Um, yeah, I think we've broken down this trade enough. And just for reference, uh, Trey is on the – receiving end of Thomas Jefferson and the 110. So uh, shout out Trey. Um, he'll be happy to go back and listen to this one, see our thoughts on on that, and hope, uh, you know, all is well for him. You know what I'm excited for? If Trey, Trey joins the broadcast, it, the camera will be like this. <laughs> What's up, boys? Yeah, I'm here. Let's get it going. Yeah. <laughs> and his hair will just be, you know, sitting there all uncombed and, you know, like he just had a whole hard days of work without it, with a hat on, sweating the whole time. Just took it off. Chris, that yeah. was great, man. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect analysis. Um, it's all, all right, love. Let's. Let's get into these quick few pieces of news that we have. Um, we'll have a lot more news next week um, as, you know, things are about to start getting hot and heavy in the offseason now. Um, but in the meantime, we still have some fantasy-related news. So let's begin with what Billy was very hype about to begin this episode. The Saints are releasing... Jared Cook. They're also releasing Josh Hill, which I think is is interesting for like the ancillary uh, sort of targets. You know, you're not gonna necessarily you're not gonna have to worry about Josh Hill for those random you know one yard touchdown targets that tend to happen in the Saints offense. Um, so Jared Cook and Josh Hill, I think that uh, Saints likely will add someone at tight end. Maybe not you know a prominent name, but maybe a low end guy. Um, I don't so, think so, Rob. I feel like nowadays these tight ends and wide receivers, these pass catchers are being more groomed out of college to be able to play in the NFL way earlier than what they used to be. Because back in the day, man, even some of the best tight ends that are in fantasy right now, like Travis Kelsey, took like three to four years to really understand and learn the position. Nowadays, they don't give a fuck if you block or not. They'll throw you out in the slot and to have you run some routes, man. And I just feel like Adam Troutman showed – and some times last year without Jared Cook in the lineup that he could be productive. Chris, I know you remember a couple of weeks during fantasy last year when he was bare minimum price. He was chalk. And he, I mean, it wasn't great chalk, but it wasn't chalk that made you not cash in a week. And I feel like Adam Troutman, uh, I think this is a arrow in the right direction for him. And this really solidifies his target share on this offense because Jared Cook's red zone target share is way more than what people really expect once you start running the numbers. Yeah, I agree. Um, I believe Troutman is the big, obviously he's the biggest benefiter because, you know, it's clearing out the tight end room here. Um, and I think regardless of any further moves that they make at the tight end position, Troutman's a dude for the future there. 
and uh, I think they're they're looking to rock with him. Billy was so happy because of his 100% ownership of Adam Troutman. Um, so yeah, I I actually was in trade talks a few weeks ago, and like I was kind of swapping out like Adam Troutman and the 302 that I had in this trade, and it was like, you know, which, which would I prefer to keep basically? And um, I ended up trading or keeping Adam Troutman. So I mean, it I think that's working out so far, especially in. You know, it's a fantasy forecast league as well, so it's a .75 tight end premium. So I think that helps. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm also happy about this situation. You know, the the Saints as you know, it's it's been a solid situation for tight ends, regardless of who the quarterback has been, um, just because the red zone work that you mentioned, uh, Jared Cook, very heavily involved in the red zone. Josh Hill, you know, involved here and there in the red zone. Chris. Um, anything else to add? Any further excitement for Troutman? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, while we're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, sending out a tweet, you know, who would you rather have Cole Komet in Chicago or Adam Troutman in New Orleans? I think that's a conversation that that should be a good one. It could spark some, some good debates and opinions here, but, uh, just going back on, on something Billy said, you know, when Troutman was chalked several times, uh, this season, you know, Punt play in DFS, we all know what that means. Cheapest, and you just punt it and hope they do anything. You know, uh, two times value back on a punt play is phenomenal. But there are certain instances, and it's all like a per week basis where uh, I can never remember being like, uh, not excited, but saying, well, this punt being comfortable with a punt play. And I was comfortable with Cole Komet, and I was comfortable with Adam Troutman a few times this season as a punt play. And I think that's fantastic. And Troutman was in bottom of the barrel several times, and every time he was in there, I was comfortable with that. And again, uh, what I'm trying to say is normally you're just, you're kind of like holding your breath on a punt play. I'm spending, you know, bare minimum, but hoping they do anything, two, three points would be perfect and that's the definition of a punt play but to be comfortable with a punt play if i say punt play more more uh, another time in this broadcast i'm going to end this thing but being comfortable with a play like that i think is very fantastic so arrows up or wheels up as they say for troutman yeah i i do agree with you um go on billy before chris before you send that tweet though we'll we'll move on here uh because there may be another name to add to that conversation. But go on, Billy. I think for Dynasty Leaguers, I feel like every Dynasty Leaguer, if you want to improve your Dynasty League, like transaction moves and uh, become a little bit more savvy, you should play a little bit of the DFS slates and stuff like that throughout the season. Because when you get later into the weeks or like in some weeks where you have to do injury replacement stuff, some of these guys really do pop up back around the corner in the offseason and it's like these real old dusty guys like Brashard Perryman and Paris Campbell and stuff like that like I've been trying to acquire Paris Campbell this whole entire offseason because I remember how productive he was to start off the season and how like secure he made me feel playing these DFS slates and stuff like that I feel like that's one of the exercises that have really made me become a better dynasty player I feel yeah Definitely helps when you look at, you know, things on a daily level and then you, you know, break it down over a long period of time. And it definitely helps you a lot. Um, The name 
you know, and we'll just move on to the next piece of news because this is how it relates. But the name I was going to throw out to add into the Adam Troutman, Cole Komet conversation is Irv Smith for the Minnesota Vikings, as Kyle Rudolph was also cut from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I don't think it's the exact same. I mean, I, I can dive into that a little more, but Chris, I actually want to hear you go first on this one for uh, Irv Smith because I've seen the hype start on Twitter and I know it's only going to grow. It's uh, it's unbelievable, but that that's what we need to to know. You know, when we're on social media a lot, like we are, we're living and we're dying there. We're broadcasting, we're we're sharing content, we're we're creating our own content. We're gonna go through waves like this, and we had this is uh, to be honest with you, all this Irv Smith stuff, and now Adam Troutman is gonna be talked about all day today. This is the calm before the storm, and then oh, you throw in some free agent news like the Lions adding Tyrell Williams here. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in a, in a couple of weeks when free agency is in full bloom here? How toxic and awful social media is going to be. I mean, uh, I mean, so funny. It, 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 it's good for its purpose, but what, what's what's its purpose for for you as an individual? What is its purpose for me uh, individually? If you're there to just hang out and joke, sure. If you're there to just say a witty comment and share a gif, then 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 that's you. If you're there to kind of do business and network, then that's what you do. But in the meantime, we kind of have to wade and sift or swim through all this dog shit that is just like spamming almost. The, the amount of Herb Smith that I, I saw last night in to today is nauseating. That's why I kind of grabbed my throat, like gagged me. It was just nonstop and constant. And again, that, that's getting back to my original point. That's what social media is. Everybody has an opinion and everybody is able to share their opinion it two seconds after they think it. And, and that's fine. That's okay. What is your purpose for social media? If, if you're going to let, you know, Irv Smith, 24-7 kind of news bug you, then maybe you should get out of the social media game. It's not for you because, again, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get more annoying, and, and it's just going to carry on here very soon. But Kyle Rudolph, to me, uh, I've always been a fan of Kyle Rudolph, a Viking uh, Viking or not, as a Lions fan here, Kyle Rudolph was my favorite punt play at tight end all season last year. He was in my, my DFS articles constantly because he was so cheap and he didn't have to do much to hit value here. So Kyle Rudolph will latch on elsewhere and he's going to be fine. That That's his role. That's what he does now. He's a fantastic blocking tight end. So you know you can count on him being on the field a large portion of the offensive snaps. And every once in a while, he'll, he'll release and he'll find the end zone. And that's fantastic. But but in terms of, of Irv Smith, it's like everybody on social media is trying to, to shove a, a square peg into a round hole. They want to make it happen so bad, but it's it's out of our hands. It's up to the Vikings, and it's up to Irv Smith and Kirk Cousins here. Do they give him the chance? Well, they have no no. That's it. That's all they have there now. So Irv Smith will be their tight end one, but will he produce the tight end numbers? And as it stands now, all the hype and excitement around him, nobody on earth could live up to that, those kind of expectations. So Irv Smith is going to be fine. He's going to be fantastic. Just be mindful uh, of both ways. If you have Irv Smith or if you're looking to acquire him, because there are certain people, you know, it, there's always a guy or a girl in a league that tries to get over on other people. And as it stands now, given everything that's going on, the Irv Smith owner is going to be looking to get over on people. So be be cautious and be mindful. I would even put off 
uh, grabbing Irv Smith for a week or two. Let the stuff die down. Let some other new, let's let the news cycle kind of go away. And then, you know, you'll, you'll get a, a little lower, you know, you'll get a bump less uh, of value on Irv Smith and you can, he, he can be had, you know, cheaper than he is now. Cause as it stands now, I wouldn't be shocked if someone says, well, uh, I was offered Irv Smith for my Christian McCaffrey. What do I do? I mean, that's how toxic social media is. <laughs> uh, gosh. Um, Kyle Rudolph, I agree with you. Apparently, he has interest in Cleveland, which would be interesting because, uh, remember, last year, the David Njoku uh, trade request that never went through, and he ended up playing the whole season. It would be interesting because, you know, a, a signing of Kyle Rudolph in Cleveland would mean that David Njoku can sign somewhere or can be traded somewhere else. I don't believe he's a free agent. Uh, he might be a free agent. I don't even know. I'll have to vet that. But, um yeah, it, it leads, you know, room for Cleveland to work if that were the case. But when I was looking at Minnesota here for Irv Smith, because um, my friend, you know, messaged me about this this morning. He's an Irv Smith owner. And basically, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, this is a obviously run-heavy offense. That's what Mike Zimmer wants. It wasn't that so much last year because they couldn't. You know, they, they had a bad defense, but that's not going to last for long. Um, they had a lot of young corners who got a lot of experience and play time. So, you know, they'll grow. And then uh, I'm sure they're going to invest in their defense this offseason. Um, Daniil Hunter, also another, you know, great defensive end, was hurt. So I think that the Vikings are only going to become more run heavy. Um, you know, they have one of the best running backs in football and Dalvin Cook. But not only that, they have, you know, Along with that run-heavy offense, they still have Justin Jefferson. They still have Adam Thielen. And Dalvin Cook also catches passes. So when we say, you know, hype for Irv Smith, you know, we, we kind of have to temper our expectations because where is he in, going to be in the pecking order? At the very top, he's going to be third. And you normally don't necessarily want the third option. I mean, I know it's tight end, so maybe you're just kind of grasping at straws there. And Irv Smith is a solid shot, but I really don't think he was he will be the you know consistent next you know fantastic tight end for fantasy, uh, regardless of what happens. I I think he'll you know he'll definitely get opportunity this season. Um, so we'll see how that works out, but. You know, short term looking, maybe, you know, in the future when Adam Thielen eventually leaves the team, because he's 32 now, I want to say. Um, eventually, when that happens, Irv Smith, okay, then I'll, I'll be a lot more excited, and maybe it would be like a one two show with him and Jefferson. But uh, until then, I, I think he's behind Thielen, and, you know, I'm not super, I'm not buying all the hype that everyone else is, is putting out. Bill, how do you feel about Irv Smith going to, well, going to the moon we'll say oh it's a little <laughs> tilting it's a little tilting for me because um if you look at the numbers of adam Thielen's red zone targets last year dude no way he returns that same exact production off of those targets next year i like if you're an adam Thielen owner in dynasty leagues i'd be looking to trade him 
for the fucking moon right now to see what the fuck I can get for him. Because, like, I just feel like Adam Thielen, really good guy. When the guys that were really trying to, you know, we're around this time last year in quarantine talking about, let's get Adam Thielen, let's get Adam Thielen. Well, we got the season that we wanted. It's time to trade him off now. He's 30 years old. I just feel like Irv, Irv Smith is going to contribute in the red zone. And at the end of the day, if you catch a couple touchdowns, especially at the tight end position, you're going to find yourself at the top eight at the end of the season. And I feel like that's the appeal. It's not really the offense. It's not because Kirk Cousins is an amazing type of quarterback. It's because Adam Thielen's red zone numbers are going to go down. And you take away Kyle Rudolph. Irv Smith is going to be on the field for longer. It's just – I think he's a dynasty startup addition that you should look for but not a guy i'm gonna actively try to trade for in my dynasty league because the guy that has urge smith sitting on his bench that whole entire season and now he's in, uh, inserted in the starting lineup that dude's not trading him for anything yeah um it's funny you mentioned that because i'm currently in a dynasty startup right now and um let me see exactly where we're at we are at the nine four this is a 10 team league so you know not as many players have gone but this is also a two point premium for tight ends so tight ends get a whole extra point per catch and currently irv smith is still on the board um evan ingram cole Komet, zach Ertz, logan thomas johnny smith and then irv smith according to um sleeper it would be in that order um so troutman troutman's a little further down hurst hooper and then troutman um, but that you know, basically, you look at the situation there. Nine four, the startup seems to always be the cheapest that you can buy, guys. So I, I really like the point that you make when you say, you know, Irv Smith is a guy you can get in the startup and and find that value, but uh, can't trade for him right now, not his current price. All right, and then uh, one final quick piece of news: Alex Smith expected to leave Washington. Uh, real quick, Chris. Can he go anywhere to have fancy value again? No, absolutely not. I mean, I love the guy. What a story. Comeback player of the year last season. But uh, wherever he goes, it'll probably – not to be rude to him or whatever organization signs him, but it's going to be like a – in an advisory role, he'll be in pads on the sideline, you know, game in and game out, but he's going to be very uh, valuable to an organization, whatever organization he goes to, and even more valuable to, to, to some young quarterbacks or whatever quarterbacks they have on that team. So uh, I wish Alex Smith the best. Definitely. Bill, do you agree? I, I think there, I think with Alex Smith, if you watch that E60, I don't want to say he's an egotistical type of person, but he's playing football for the love of it. And I think he has a plan where he's going to go to one of these teams that either draft a quarterback or get like a, let's say like the coach draft a quarterback or something like that. And Alex Smith is like, yo, look, man, you see what I did with Patty Mahomes? I groomed him up to make him become an NFL ready quarterback, but he ends up sneaking his way inside the starting lineup. And we're looking at Alex Smith on waivers and stuff like that. I just feel like that's the type of story we're going to get with Alex Smith. Um, I actually saw somebody, I actually seen somebody drop him the day before he got released and then he got picked up not too earlier this afternoon. And I was thinking, man, I went with Josh Rosen over Alex Smith. And I just feel like that just says the value of Alex Smith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Um, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay talked this offseason. They 
they were like, yeah, we, we think we've already got the uh, pre- or the successor for Tom Brady. And, you know, it's not Josh Rosen. It's, it's Blaine Gabbert, who's been in the league for how long now? 10, Rosen's 15 years? The, uh, 49ers. Ah, yes, yes, you're right, you're right. He was on to the 49ers. He was on their practice squad and then got signed to the 49ers, where he was re-signed, so he is under contract for next season. You can make it to the 53-man roster and get through the training camp and all that stuff. Dude, he might fuck around and beat Jimmy G out for that job if he's actually talented. We'll give give him a shot. I mean, it's going to take time to come back from where he's – coming from i think that would absolutely just destroy jimmy g to have no confidence <laughs> where else is yeah. he gonna go when a guy that's been passed around like a blunt at a party uh beats out jimmy g who was like the golden boy in new england uh, and then san francisco but i mean if if jimmy g gets beaten out by rosen then he, he's gonna have to disappear into a cave the bro, rest of his you life. can't tell me that the 49ers some way somehow these guys like nick mullins and cj bethard end up collectively starting for about five to six games every year yeah it always honestly with you. It really tends to work out that way um so that's the news that we have to talk about we'll be getting into our dynasty debates but before we do that i have a quick upcoming schedule little segment to talk about here um for you guys for the podcast um as i mentioned next week the news is really going to start picking up the franchise tag deadline. Oh, look, look who decided to join, and his hair is uncombed as expected. Trey Tindall, the, the FS Superflex guru. Um, Chris was not right in saying that Trey was going to come in with a very shaky camera. So that's a, <laughs> that's a plus for you, Trey. Um, but welcome in. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Better late than never, right? It's funny because I saw Chris was coming on yesterday and I took a shower this morning, stood in front of the (laughs) mirror and combed my hair thinking about Chris. I don't know what happened after that fact, but uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't look good now. (laughs) Well, in my reply real quick, I just want to say is it's great having you on and being here. I'm talking like I'm a host, but uh, glad you were able to join. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Perfect. Um, uh, way, way, way to expose me. Way to expose me. Trey, we'll have to talk about our startup podcast or not podcast um, league Draft. at some point. Uh, yes. Uh, at some point on this show, but we'll get to that. My team is um, hot. My team's hotter. No, I'm <clears throat> kidding. Um, Trey no, I, I do really like What's that, Bill? Trey has the best team in that league. Uh, he's been sending updates. <laughs> I don't know he's if it's the best Saquon team in the league because he's got AJ some other Brown, pieces. Justin Jefferson, and that's the reason why me and Chris are in that league. That shit. <laughs> AJ Brown in the fourth round? Damn near. Oh, like, dude, I was happy with it. I feel like, though, everyone is going late in that in that draft honestly like i mean 10 teams it really does <laughs> it really does hurt the you aj brown truther in every draft that drafts in the second round like i've yeah. never been the draft where there isn't an aj brown truther no i, I don't know how right. i got chris godwin in the sixth or matt stafford in the seventh but enough about the startup like enough of it, i guess let's let's move we'll talk on. about it we will talk about it um but for now upcoming schedule of not only the nfl but also the podcast so 
as I mentioned, March 9th, which is Tuesday of next week, the franchise tag window closes. So we will know for sure who is going to be a free agent and who will not be a free agent, which is just in time for our show next week, Wednesday, which we will have as a free agency uh, prep show where, you know, we'll be walking you through the free agents. We'll be talking about the news of who was franchise tagged, who wasn't, maybe other cuts that are bound to happen. Um, and then after we talk about that, we have the upcoming week where free agency actually gets started on Wednesday, March 17th at 4 p.m. Now, for those of you that know and are here with us now, you obviously know that we podcast at 4.30 on Wednesdays. So that kind of lines up with the peak of free agency. So we're actually going to push that back one day. We're instead going to podcast the week of March 17th. We're instead going to podcast on the 18th at 4.30 um, instead because it's just going to be way too hard realistically for us to stay focused on one topic in the height of free agency when all this other news is coming out. And we'll be wanting to talk about all of it at once. It's just going to be too hard. So one day later, uh, we'll be able to have all the news available to us already. And then we'll be able to break it down. And the news won't be coming in so fast and furious that we'll have to change topics every few minutes. So it will work out a lot better for you, for us, for the content. Everything is going to be pushed back one day. Uh, It's going to, you know, the podcast will be live on Twitter and YouTube on Thursday instead of Wednesday. And the podcast will be live on streaming platforms on Friday the 19th instead of what would be Thursday the 18th. So, yo, one of these days after um, we got to slide into DMs because uh, Twitter just bought out Periscope and Periscope isn't going to be a thing in about a week. Yeah, they're, uh, I thought it, yeah, it was the beginning of March, which is right now. So, right. Something yeah. to consider on StreamYard, I know, because when you go in to do a broadcast like this, you can pick. You pick, you know, uh, what was it? Yeah, you pick your a Facebook group. You do Periscope, which shoots right. it to Twitter Live. So uh, I haven't looked into it, but definitely need to discuss other options. Right. Definitely. Thank you for that, because this is streaming now on Periscope. Um, but like, like you said, I don't know how much longer that will uh, go into effect. So something to look into. And uh, we'll keep you updated here on the podcast, as always. All right. Let's head into um, some Dynasty debates, and then from there we can kind of work into uh, our startup tray, if that makes you happy. And then Bill and and Chris can be our unbiased, over-analytical pieces here. Um, So so let's start here with our, our first topic for the Dynasty debates here and i'll head over to billy first here um let me hear your thoughts on the true value of great rookie rookie wide receivers this could be beyond this year because obviously we have a ton of great rookie wide receivers this year we have justin jefferson cd lamb t higgins names beyond that before that we had aj brown T.K. metcalf um names beyond that you know every rookie year it, it tends to happen anymore that we are getting good rookie wide receivers coming out. How do you process them? How do you, you know, effectively look at them in dynasty? Because obviously they're young. So 
you know, you get a, a good wide receiver for a long period of time. How, how, you know, how do very, you treat that? Very rarely do I really wake up in the morning in the middle of spring and wake up and watch a bunch of grown ass men run around in a bunch of t-shirts. But man, that's really how you need to evaluate wide receivers. Cause some of these small school kids, you don't really know their 40 times and stuff like that. And once you start getting more of like their agility score, their 40 times and stuff like that, you could start idealizing their body freight, their body shape, their frame, their window and stuff like that. And start comparing that to other NFL athletes that kind of, uh, have the same type of builds and stuff like that. But I feel like the wide receiver position, it's much more tougher than the running back position because draft capital doesn't really matter at the wide receiver position. You know, there's always some random dude in training camp that ends up popping up and ends up getting like a starting job or something like that out the blue moon. There's so many wide receivers nowadays in like the top 25 of receivers. I keep on thinking about Antonio Brown as like a, as a day three pick, for example, he just had a really good 40 time, had a pretty good agility score, ended up making a starting roster. If that was a running back, dude, that dude isn't seeing minutes until years from now. You know what I'm saying? I feel like at the wide receiver position, you really need to pay attention to the combine, really look at the 40 numbers and stuff like that, and go on like player profile and stuff like that and see how these players are being compared to. Because this year's draft class, uh, even though there's a huge drop-off between Chase and everybody else, yes, Chase and everybody else, Smith is now on the same tier as him. Um, I feel like this wide receiver draft is pretty deep. You're gonna get, you're gonna get a pretty good wide receiver in day two, day three. That's gonna be pretty productive. There's a lot of old wide receivers that are upcoming free agents that or their roles are gonna get replaced this all season. Yeah, I feel that for sure, Bill. Um, Chris, how about you? I know you know Bill referred a lot to the combine and scouting great wide receivers uh, as rookies. You know. Do you try to, you know, get out there and get on it kind of ahead of, uh, you know, them having their great rookie season? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like obviously that would be the best and easiest way to get ahead of the hype. Well, personally, you know, getting ahead or, or falling behind here, it's all part of a cycle. It could be vicious. It could be friendly, whatever. But, you know, guys like guys in our position, we've been watching college football and NFL football for years on end since we were little boys here. So, you know, for us, it, we 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 haven't skipped a beat. We saw that the kids that are coming in now wide receiver wise, we've already been watching them for years on end. But if you look at someone who's just getting into fantasy football or just getting into scouted, they're starting fresh from like right now, let's say they're starting fresh from, you know, January 1st. So they have to go back and they have to spend all this time digging in. So after or pre-draft or during the draft, after the draft, you know, fast forward when they're doing startup drafts or rookie drafts, they have to come up with their own process kind of on the fly. Whereas in people like us, you, let's just say what it is, you know, seasoned fantasy football vets or seasoned DFS players, we know what to look for. We have our own process. And again, my process is probably different from yours, Rob. Trey's process might be different from Billy's, but there is a collective agreement here. What, what we kind of look for and, and what we're trying to shoot for. Now there's plenty of uh, different ways or different strategies in 
startup drafts or, or in redraft leagues. And one that I saw recently, and I'm shocked that I've never really heard of this one, and it, it might be the, the, the strategy number one in terms of building a dynasty team. You know, surround, build your team on a collection of very young, studly kind of wide receivers. Then you trade for, uh, you know, running backs to make a run in the playoffs here. So you're building a very young core of A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, and then you, you just use your running back position in interchangeable spots as you see fit in terms of, of how your team is going as the fantasy manager here. But the value of, of a rookie wide receiver, uh, personally, it's I don't find it as important as most people do. And I don't want people, you know, raking me over the coals or jumping the gun for uh, over it and saying, oh, well, Detroit Beastie is a dummy. He doesn't even think of wide receivers. That's not true. There's only so much that we can do. And as you, as Billy kind of alluded to, you know, you get guys that go in the third or, you know, second day or third and the fourth round who nobody really has their eye on. And then they, they make or break what their, their career on the field in spring training, OTA and preseason. But these, these golden goose type prospects like Justin Jefferson or CD lamb. Yeah. You can pencil them in or, or write it on stone that these kids are going to be fantastic. And then you, you implement that in your your own personal plan of drafting and the way you value players here so uh it, it's all relative here you don't want to go you know side one way you know in extreme one way or another i like to keep it right middle of the road and if i have to jump left or i have to jump right i'm able to but that's my personal process yeah i uh i agree with you you know it's funny too um T. Higgins is is kind of in that boat. He's not necessarily up there with you know C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson because number one Joe Burrow got hurt, kind of knocked things off. But he didn't hit the sort of ceilings that C.D. Lamb and uh, um, Justin Jefferson hit. But you know you look at the situation. I think C.D. Lamb was generally a mid first. Justin Jefferson tend to be a late first round pick in uh, dynasty rookie drafts. But um, T. Higgins, for example, was like a second round pick in that range, you know, anywhere from, I, I don't think he was super early in the second round in a lot of leagues, but he tended to be at least gone by the middle of the second round. So, you know, you're in a situation where you can get, you know, Chase Claypool is another one where a lot of people want Chase Claypool right now. It looks like he's going to be a true alpha. Number one thing I will say is Billy is ahead of that bill here. Uh, a lot of Chase Claypool hype. I remember from him last uh, last off season before yeah, the draft even happened, before he even went to to Pittsburgh. So there's that situation, um, and then there's another. You know, sort of like Chase Claypool, for example. I believe he was a later second round pick, and and a lot of that was based around the draft capital because people didn't love him as a wide receiver coming out. And there's different ways to get ahead of it. Now Trey. You are currently in a dynasty startup. See how I worked it in there? Is that, is that <laughs> how you wanted it? Um, where you have, uh, in the third round, you drafted A.J. Brown. Technically, in the second round, you drafted Justin Herbert. And then, like, the person who traded Justin Her traded for Justin Herbert really wanted him, so he gave you Justin Jefferson and a first, which I think that's a solid deal. Um, at least for you, I, you know, building at the quarterback position, then you can attack it later like you are now and you're getting Matthew Stafford. Um, but yes, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, and then later on getting C.D. Lamb, who 
I shouldn't have let you get CD Lamb because I really wanted him. But you know, that's that's a decision that I made. So that's all ultimately my fault. So, um, but you know, you're in a position here where you know the point of this is you're building through young wide receivers, and then Chris Godwin, another name too. He's only 25, uh, who's entering free agency potentially. He could get franchise tag, but still, you're in a situation here where you're building a group uh, at young wide receiver or a young wide receiver core, we'll say, to, to build around your team. So I think, you know, what your opinion is on this question of the true value of great rookie wide receivers is, is going to be important. Yeah, and that's kind of what my uh, strategy was going into it, uh, is I wanted the young, like, I wanted a young team. That's why I drafted Barkley. I was going to draft uh, Allen with my first pick, but I drafted Barkley instead. And then I wanted to fill it out with the young uh, wide receivers with Jefferson, Brown, Lamb, and Godwin. And I'm pretty happy with that because, like Chris said, that's like a way to build a dynasty. Running backs come and go, but, you know, with those four wide receivers, I know for sure they're going to at least be good for the next five, seven, eight years. Um, and that's what you got to do. And, and Brown was a second-round rookie pick, like rookie drafts. Jefferson was a second-round rookie pick drafts. Godwin was a second-round rookie pick so like there's some value to be had in the second round so if you have second round picks make sure to just throw a flyer out on maybe like Rondell Moore or other uh, wide receivers out there that could possibly turn out to be uh, one of those guys right it's and Chris mentioned it's all about the process you know it's it's not just you know oh well we've had some success with second round rookie picks in the uh, wide receiver room before you know you Go back, you do your scouting, you do your, you know, uh, what's the word, um, data mining there like Billy does with the Combine and, and his player profiler account and everything. You do all this extra digging to find these names to, you know, get ahead of it in the second round and, and take a guy like Chase Claypool and then, you know, take a guy like A.J. Brown who, who ends up becoming – a fantastic dynasty asset for a long period of time. So I'll give you another example real quick. Like, a yes, guy sir. Like Brian Edwards, man, that was a guy that really wasn't on my there, radar. Yeah. yeah there's in. a lot of situations yeah. where you're like, you know, oh my God, Chase Claypool, he, he hit a home run. AJ Brown, like he's a top 10 dynasty asset now. And then you have situations like Brian Edwards where, you know, it's kind of, you know, what's going to happen with Brian Edwards now, but go on, Bill. No, nah, I'm just what I was talking about. Basically, like just some of the non-popular names. I feel like there's a lot of non-popular names in this upcoming draft. If you're a team that's looking for a wide receiver position, this is the draft to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like that take a lot. I like where we went from there. Let's head into the player comparison that. I alluded to a little bit earlier. I mentioned that Trey drafted Matthew Stafford. He actually, Trey, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was about a round after this other dude uh, that we're comparing him with, um, maybe a little more or less, but I think it was around there. Kind of around the same age, around the same style of offense here um, when it comes to low volume for passing, but it, it's high efficiency for touchdowns and things like that. Uh, just kind of who you would prefer here between the two of number one, Matthew Stafford and in a new location in Los Angeles with the Rams and Ryan Tannehill, who is a guy who really has come on since 
being with the Tennessee Titans. I'll head over to the new new Matthew Stafford owner first in Trey and uh, get your opinion here. I say it looks like Matt Stafford went seven six and Ryan Tannehill went seven nine. Um, ah, I just voted so Stafford over Tannehill that. because I mean the the upside is just there. I mean with Corey Davis possibly leaving Tennessee, I don't really know what to expect with Ryan Tannehill because there's n- really nobody else besides AJ Brown there right now because Johnny Smith's also a, a free agent. Um, but I would go Matthew Stafford just over over the upside. He has Woods, he has Cup, he has Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, K Makers. I mean. Ryan Tannehill, he has the rushing upside, but outside of A.J. Brown, there's not really much to offer, especially with Derrick Henry stealing a lot of the goal line touchdowns that uh, Matthew Stafford's probably going to be throwing a lot. Right. I I feel that. Um, And plus, there's also, you know, Marvin Jones to the Rams rumors, which, you know, like he he would like to follow them in. And if they added him, you know, as kind of that burner on the outside, that would be an interesting little piece to add to the offense. Chris, what are your thoughts here between Stafford and Tanhill? Well, uh, again, you, I'm the resident Detroit guy, the Detroit Lions fan, and Stafford has always been a fantastic quarterback. He's a good man. And, and when you look at it, it really has no – no meaning to what I'm saying here, but Tannehill <laughs> what was sneakily, if I'm not mistaken, QB seven uh, last year, and that a lot so. that, that has a lot to do with AJ Brown. Corey Davis was fantastic for him, but there's just no way that you can choose uh, Tannehill over Matthew Stafford, given what we've seen from Stafford here in Detroit and what we expect Stafford to do in LA. Now, if you look back through. Uh, what McVay does, they're, they're very young coach. I, I think he's younger than me, which is unbelievably cool. But McVay is a, he's a player's coach. He will do anything in his power to get said players going, to let said player light up the stat sheet, things along those lines, because he knows, you know, keeping a a very tight knit kind of locker room is is very special and it's meaningful. Uh, Stafford personally is going to be a top ten quarterback this season, and I don't think that's even a hot take. I think Stafford has a chance to be a, a top six, top seven kind of quarterback this year. Can you imagine? Uh, I, I hate talking like this. All refrain. I was going to say, well, if Stafford had this. Well, he didn't have those kind of players. But Stafford goes to LA. Look at what he has around. He's got two very high end wide receivers in Cup and Woods. Tyler Higby is whatever. Stafford's never had a, a stud running back, it, it, a, let alone a collection of very serviceable running backs like Henderson, uh, to, you know, to kind of spell acres if need be. So Stafford is going to be huge this season. And again, I'm not saying that I don't like Ryan Tannehill or Ryan Tannehill is awful, but what Stafford's going to do this season is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be fantastic. He's going to have his fire is relit. He's finally at it. All he's ever known is the Lions. And he's all he's known is a shit ran organization who kind of just suppresses talent for God knows what, just for ticket sales and merch. I don't know. But Stafford going to LA arguably is probably will be one of my favorite, uh, you know, free agent ads of the off season or, or trades, let's say here. So Stafford over Tannehill and I don't find it close. And when I say I don't find it close, that's nothing personal. That's all just my opinion. And I did my best to kind of give you why. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I think it's, you know, kind of a similar style offense 
because I think that the Rams are going to rely heavily on Akers and, you know, Spell Henderson and Malcolm Brown here and there. I I don't think it's just going to be kind of like the Matthew Stafford-led offense, just like Tennessee. You know, they rely he- so heavily on Ter- Derrick Henry instead of Ryan Tannehill. But when they need Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball, he's effective. And when they need Matthew Stafford, and off play action, obviously, for Tannehill um, and run the football himself. But Matthew Stafford, same thing, off play action, he'll be effective. When they need him to throw the ball, he'll be effective. Um, I, I think collectively, too, the, the Rams in their current situation, they could definitely win a Super Bowl if they make the right moves. When it comes to fantasy, it's interesting because, I mean, you got to look at the mood. Like Trey mentioned, and this was a good mention here, with, with Corey Davis and John New Smith both being free agents. Who knows exactly what is going to be around A.J. Brown? They already cut Adam Humphreys as well uh, in Tennessee. So they really don't have a ton of good options uh, at the wide receiver position at in Tennessee, um, Khalif Raymond, I think, would be the next up wide receiver, and he's probably unowned in a, a ton of leagues. So you look at that situation versus Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, uh, Cam Akers can catch the ball well. Darrell Henderson can also catch the ball. Van Jefferson potentially in the market for a free agent wide receiver. The situations are, you know, obviously vastly towards Stafford. Um, I, I think it, it kind of makes the decision pretty easy, even though they're in very similar offenses. And I'll side with uh, the side of you two previously. Bill, any thoughts to add? Yeah, man, I feel a little bit different about this one. Um, I kind of side with Ryan Tannehill over Stafford. Um, I don't know if it's me just being a Stafford guy throughout my years, but man, like I, I get it real life wise. i Damn sure I am betting the Rams to probably win that division. I think that's a really good offense and stuff like that. But I feel like if you start looking into the numbers of Ryan Tannehill, I think there's a clear-cut way he can be fantasy more fantasy-reliable than Matthew Stafford weekly because of what he does in the rushing department. I feel like a lot of people forget how good of a rusher Ryan Tannehill is and how good Derrick Henry has played these last two years. Can you I mean Derrick Henry's been basically what back to back rushing leader in the NFL for two years straight. It's very rare that you see a running back do that back to back years. Let's say if that efficiency does drop off with Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry goes from a top three fantasy production back to back years to finishing where I think he could be at maybe a low-end RB1 or something like that, or a high-end RB2, then that means Ryan Tannehill had a really good year. Um, Ryan Tannehill last season finished number two on fantasy points per drop pack uh, per game, and then number six for yards per attempt, and uh, number four for adjusted air yards per attempt. So I feel like there's a lot of... uh, I'm buying the pass catchers in the Titans offense. I think this is an underrated offense. Um, I think A.J. Brown is really going to help out Ryan Tannehill's numbers. Um, I know Stafford's in a way better situation, not even close if you compare environments, but it's just that I don't see the ceiling with Stafford. I think that the highest that Matthew Stafford's dynasty value is going to be is right here or in the middle of the season when you're making a championship run. I, I think that the person that owns Ryan Tannehill is still scratching their head as them as they're being their QB2 thinking, do I really believe in this guy, Ryan Tannehill? And, man, I, I'm buying into Ryan Tannehill this offseason. Um, 
definitely a guy that I rather have than Stafford because you know I always lean towards the rushing four over the uh, passing touchdown volatility. Interesting. Interesting. I, I do agree. He does have a nice little floor there that he Stafford has not shown through the years, though. Back you know, to back top five rushing touchdown seasons for Ryan Tannehill at the quarterback position. And a very, very stacked quarterback class of running quarterbacks. That's basically the norm now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's good point. Um, I like how. Also, Bill, you're over here playing devil's advocate when everyone else is on one side. I like having the difference of opinion, so perfect. Um, let me head on here. Next topic. We got two more here for you all, and we'll start with Chris for this one. Um, let's talk about the long-term outlook for one of the more disappointing rookie running backs from 2020. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is he a buyer sell? Um, he's he's fallen a lot in uh, a lot of dynasty rankings. I believe pre last season he was a top twelve guy basically around the board, especially after Damian Williams opted out. But you know uh, now, I mean, I we'll talk about the the dynasty startup that Trey and I are in, but I believe it was the sixth round where I drafted him in. Um, maybe even later than that, I'll, I'll have to pull it up. But uh, go on, Chris, any of your thoughts on Clyde and the situation that he's in, which I believe the situation, you know, is the more important thing to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And my the question is long-term outlook for, for Clyde Edwards-Solaire. Uh, I think it's it's right where it should be as it stands right now in this moment in time. Uh, I won't bore anybody. We all know what happened last season. He gets drafted to KC, and he was the number one overall pick, and he really crapped on a lot of our teams. But the, no fault of his own. I mean, that offense in Kansas City is just fantastic. But if we fast forward to this coming season, what are we going to expect from Clyde Edwards-Solaire? Where you drafted him, Rob? That that's perfect. He is he going to be a top ten running back? You know, drafted as a top ten running back in, in you know startup drafts or in re, definitely not in redraft leagues. But Clyde, I, I don't have much to say on Clyde Edwards-Helaire because I'm still I don't have an opinion on him one way or another. And in terms of buying and selling players, again, it's all relative to the situation. And if you it, it, it's two sides of a coin. If you have Clyde Edwards-Helaire, you hold him unless someone comes along with like an earth shattering offer and if you're looking to acquire him he can probably be had cheaper right now than obviously at the start of the season here so again it's all relative in terms for the, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire owner personally I'm going to hold him and just wait it out there because the uh what he can do in that offense and the upside of Clyde Edwards Hilaire is is just you're just not getting that that kind of value for him right now, if that makes sense. So I'd rather hold and just let him, you know, figure things out or, or, you know, yeah, let Kansas City figure out how to use him on my bench or even in my starting roster here. So to me, uh, he's a hold, but I'm also looking to buy, I guess. Interesting. Uh, let's shoot over to Trey here, who, Trey, I mentioned uh, incorrectly, I might add, uh, it was a fifth round pick, but it was a late fifth, so kind of close to sixth round for Clyde. But, um, Trey, actually, two picks before you took Antonio Gibson uh, to pair with Saquon in that startup. And it's funny, you know, when you look back last year um, in one quarterback leagues, I 
it was either Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Jonathan Taylor for the 101. And now here, or I'm sorry, back then also for Antonio Gibson, he was kind of like a mid second round pick and, and not a lot of people were seeing the hype for him for the long term. Um, but now we're in a situation where they're basically back to back in everyone's rankings. They're going back to back in startups. Um, you know, and, and Gibson is ahead in a lot of those situations. So the fall for Hilaire has been pretty far. Uh, but what are your thoughts on on him and, and the long-term outlook for him, Trey? I must say, I got Gibson at 5.6, and I chose him over Hilaire, Hilaire at 5.8. Um, I just liked Gibson's ceiling higher. I mean, that's what I like so much about CEH is that he has such a high floor. I see him as a, a great RB2. I would love it if he was my RB2. I'd be worried if he was my RB1. Um, but with him as your RB2, I'd feel really comfortable with that. Um, I like what Chris was saying about, like, you you got to have re-expectations for him now. I mean, he got drafted super high last year, but you got to kind of reevaluate and kind of say he's kind of more of an RB2 Um Especially with we don't know what they're going to do with uh, what's his name, Damian Williams. Is that is that the one that's coming back? Yeah, Damian, uh, almost Super Bowl MVP Williams. I was about to say, who knows what they're going to do with him? Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see with CEH. Um, but I would love it if he is an RB2. I think he's like RB10 or RB11 in my uh, rankings right now. Interesting. Um, yeah, I uh, my two running backs at the moment in that league are. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Joe Mixon, who I got uh, in the sixth round. Those two guys are, are guys who were, I believe, in everyone's top 12 at the start of the season last year and now are being kind of left for dead. So, you know, redemption, fingers crossed, the hope for them. Bill, I am uh, mad at you for sniping A.J. Dillon for me, though. One pick in front of me, I am so <laughs> mad at you. I was, I, I was about uh, to pick him. Yes, uh, I knew it. I knew you. Ha- I knew you were going to. But literally, all right. So for those, I'll explain the situation. It was the eighth round. Uh, so my eight two. I want to say it was eight, your no, eight, eight three. Uh, yeah, it was eight, eight three. three. That you traded right. I, I decided to trade the eight three for a first round pick straight up um, because I'm kind of rebuilding in this league. Traded it, and the exact person I was looking for went. And no offense. So that's not, you know, that's why you got to trade uh, other way around. You have two picks, take the person you want first and then make the trade after and trade the second pick. But then again, maybe I wouldn't have gotten a first back for the pick since the person was looking at no offense. If I had taken no offense, maybe I wouldn't have gotten that interest back for the second pick. So anywho, um, no offense went. I was really looking at him and I was like, you know what? There's another guy I was looking at. And since I got sniped, I might as well snipe Trey here and then take AJ Dillon. So um, that's how that worked out for me. But no, looking at my my team for the rebuild sort of process, you know, uh, round one I, I took the 101 because Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's he's going to be great, and I, I believe in that. And then round two I took Deshaun Watson, and I really started to think about it. Like, man, what I I can really see a world where Deshaun Watson doesn't play football this year because. 
you know, Houston just refuses to trade him. He refuses to let up on, on where he's at. He just sits out. He's like, hey, you know, 20 million isn't nothing to me because I'm on a contract for 140 million. So, like, you know, uh, I'll miss out on one year's pay, but this will stick it to him. And, and then next year they'll know I'm serious and they'll trade me. Um, maybe that happens. You know, we'll see. Uh, but that's kind of my pessimistic look towards it. So I said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll look towards that in this dynasty startup. I'm not going to play for 2021. I'm going to play for 2022. And um, yeah, I mean, Chris, you're waving kind of <laughs> at the dog, at, at Trey's dog. Ah, I didn't even see Trey's dog. Yeah. I was more, more focused on Chris and his waving. Wow. No, I'm, I'm um, up here. That's what I was doing. I was waving at Trey's uh, papa. I'll go. But yeah. Um, so I thought Clyde, Joe Mixon, AJ Dillon. Oh yeah, you're you're ruining the podcast, Trey. Um, oh, I see his little tail in the background. Um, but th- those three running backs, I think they're more of long term assets, especially AJ Dillon. I, I think Aaron Jones gets franchise tagged and stays in Green Bay, and then long term AJ Dillon is someone you'll want. And then um, yeah, and I've you know also drafted. Like I said, the 101, I also drafted the 102. I've also traded for two extra 2022 picks. So um, definitely planning for the future in this draft to run it through a bit for me. And then Trey, you know, we've run it through a bit for him. He, he's got the setup. So we'll see. I, I think it'll be fun for me and him to compete long term. We're in the same division. Um, I'm the Black Panther. We're not joining. Yeah. And Chris, I, I sent the invite to Chris over too, and he said he's maxed out, so he he got yeah. us too. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's okay. Let, hey, the less sharps in it, the the more fun we got, I guess. <laughs> let's round it out here. Uh, final topic of conversation. This one really is strategic here, um, and I'll head over to Bill first here. When do you think you should actually be selling your high end running backs? So let me you know throw some names out there. Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not going to say you should be selling him right now because he the value on, on Zeke is at an all-time low. But then you got guys like Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, guys who are very valuable right now still in fantasy, guys that people will still pay for as top five backs, guys who you know could fall off the cliff sometime soon. Um, so when should you take advantage and, and try and sell these high-end running backs? Yeah, I'm going to combine both of my answers into one because I got to head on out of here because you forgot to ask me about my Clyde Edwards-Alaire thoughts. Um, first, you're going to start off with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I feel like he is the most undervalued rook- like rookie running back from last year that isn't really talked about, dude. If you looked at his weighted opportunities and his game script scenarios compared to his actual productions, you'll see the reason why Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a buy and you should be trading for him, drafting him, finding a way to put him on teams in the fourth round of drafts and stuff like that. Dude, he finished number five at plus 2.88 game script. Uh, One of the stats that I really like to look at for the running back position is game script scenarios. Um, How many times is your team going into the red zone? How many times are you able to score? Because the running back is one of the positions that are really relied on by the quarterback and how good your quarterback is. And we all know that Patrick Mahomes is by far one of the best quarterbacks in the league by a wide margin. And then the number one thing, the reason why I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the reason, like, he's the number one 
trade target in all dynasty leagues is draft capital at the running back position is the most underrated thing in dynasty evaluations at the running back position. And that's the reason why it's tied into my second answer. After their rookie contracts is when I'm looking to sell these high-end running backs. Guys that get three or four years into the league, maybe reach the fantasy top five, maybe once or twice. That is when you want to sell these guys. It's rare you see a running back go past the age apex and still finish at the top end at the top end for dynasty leagues. If you're a team in contention, you can take more short-term risks and trade for vets like Chris Carson and stuff like that. But if you're a team not competing or you're not going to make the playoffs or you don't have any championship aspirations and you have Zeke Elliott on your team, you need to sell him now like as soon as possible. And I feel like the draft capital, I remember the last time you asked me the question at the wide receiver position, I said, you could throw draft capital out the window. It's real, just more athletic talent. What the running back position, you need to be drafted on late day one, early day two. And that's how you really pay off your price tag. There's a lot of guys that we saw in these uh, combines that look pretty good in t-shirts uh, and they just didn't get drafted to the right team or get the right draft capital. They got drafted way later than expected, and uh, it just ends up killing them at the end of the day. And I feel like if you follow the draft capital, that's how you're going to get good running backs in Dynasty Leagues. Um, how do you guys feel about it? Uh, my mistake. Um, I uh, lost connection with yeah, my I wife. I gotta head on out though, Rob. I gotta go move this car. No problem. Uh, appreciate you being here, Billy. Everyone, follow him on Twitter at Getting Bills. Catch you later, Billy. Um, yeah, uh, I kind of missed part of his argument, so I will kick it over to Trey. What are your thoughts, and what are your what is your opinion on selling high end running backs? Also, Trey, if you are talking, which I think you are, I cannot hear you. Sorry, I was on. Uh, mute. There we go. I was say I uh, I agree with whatever Billy was saying completely uh, because I try to sell whether it was Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook as soon as they uh, sign their big time contract after their rookie deal because that's whenever their value gets bumped up immensely. Um, because before they do that, that's whenever everyone's like, I, I don't know what it's going to look like because if you know Cook and Henry didn't sign that deal they would be in, you know, Chris Carson territory right now where who knows what Rooley's going to have or Kenyon Drake territory where who knows what Rooley's going to have. Um, if they could sign that big-term deal, I'd look to sell them because I always like to be a year early than a year late because uh, you're not going to – I'd rather get all right value back now than be able to sell, you know, Zeke Elliott next year if he has another bad year for a mid-second-round pick. Um, so I look to, you know – sell the elite running backs as soon as they sign that big second contract for them uh, because that's whenever their value is tip-top value and uh, it's definitely about to go down. I feel. Yeah, uh, I'm in a dynasty league where I won the championship last season. Now I'm kind of looking towards selling Dalvin Cook who you know was one of the big reasons why I won the championship and uh, he could be a big reason why I win again, but what if you know I'm off on that one year um, and I, you know, I miss out. Uh, Chris, 
you want to pitch in here? Sure. I mean, honestly, fantastic answers and thoughts all around here. There's not too much more I can say. All I can add is my own little twist here, where, as you were saying, like right now would be the time, you know, to sell Derrick Henry at an all-time high. Right now would be the time to sell Cook at an all-time high because it's that old saying, I'd rather be a, a, a year early than a year too late because then if you're left holding your hat on a, a broken-down Delvin Cook or a, you know, off Henry falls off a cliff, you're not getting anything back. So being late a year or six months will drastically harm, you know, your dynasty rosters and will completely, you know, change the configuration of your, of your leagues here. So again, it's all, it, it also depends on, are you a betting man or are you a betting woman here? Like if you're looking I, personally, if I have Derrick Henry, I'm riding that all the way out to the end. I mean, I love it, but that's me. I love what the guy's doing. He's a human wrecking ball. He's just a, a steamroll on the field. So I'm cool with having him on my team until he's 35 years old, like a 35 year old AP here, because I enjoy watching him and I enjoy his talent that much here. But are you going to bet? Are you going to roll the dice? And again, sell Delvin Cook now, sell Derrick Henry now, and, and just, you know, uh, cash in now. I'd rather be a year early than a year too late. Yeah, yeah I must say, I completely agree with that because I have seen a lot of orphans this year that have Todd Gurley on them, and I have a lot of uh, leagues my own that have Todd Gurley just sitting on the bench there because two years ago you could have traded Todd Gurley for the world. Now, and you'd be lucky to get you know an early third or like a late second for Todd Gurley. So um, I agree with what Chris was saying. It's better to sell them a year early and get you know elite value back now than you know wait and. You're left, you know, standing with Todd Gurley and uh, Demarco Murray just sitting there on your bench. And be mindful, you're going to have to hear it. Like, let's say uh, you sell Derrick Henry right now, and he goes off for another 18-yard, you know, rushing season. You're going to be made fun of. Your friends are going to put you down and, you know, punch you in the arm the whole year. But just be patient because depending on what you got back, you can shove it back in their face in year two when when you got, you know, Cam Akers and Gibson in exchange for for Derrick Henry or something. So it's it, it's just another game within the game that I find so fun and so fascinating. Definitely. Um, I want to point two things out within that. Number one, as far as the friends coming back to get you uh, last. I mean, this is a lot more fast paced and it was also redraft. So it's not exactly the same thing. But last season, I know I traded um, George Kittle and Tyler Lockett in order to get back DeAndre Hopkins, Dallas Goddard and uh, DeAndre Swift. It was more for the upside of Swift and thinking that if he was going to be great, he would you know, take me home. Obviously, a few weeks later, George Kittle got hurt. So that kind of screwed up the value of things. But that week that you know the the week after that trade was the big Tyler Lockett you know three touchdown uh 250 yard Sunday night football performance and man did I hear it through that whole game like wow like you know Rob's sitting here not you know not not knowing his own shit and not knowing you know trading uh one of the better wide receivers in the league from that week on Lockett really didn't do anything like I mentioned, Kittle got hurt. I mean, like, that's, you know, incidental. It's not something I was planning on. But still, like, from there, that that automatically became, like, after that first week, it was just, like, green grass ahead of time. And it was one of the best trades I could have made. And no way I would have made it to the championship for that league uh, had I not made that trade. So, 
that's one instance of, you know, don't let your friends get to you because <laughs> trust your process more than the trade. Um, another quick example, I actually traded for Dalvin Cook uh, preseason last year. Basically, the trade was Antonio Gibson and two firsts uh, for Cal- or Dalvin Cook. And I mean, like, like I said, it carried me to a championship and I won it. So I'm happy with the trade. But, um, you know, for him on his side, he was hearing it a lot, you know, preseason, uh, because like I mentioned, Gibson, he's good now. And, and we all acknowledge that, but the hype around Gibson last season, um, I believe this was after Adrian Peterson was cut. So maybe it was a little higher then, but even so, um, you know, they, they all saw, uh, my friend as getting fleeced for cook rather than me, you know, getting fleeced on my end and now you know you look back at it and it's like wow that's it's actually pretty even trade it's working out for both of them so there's situations plenty that you know it works out for both guys and um you just gotta you just gotta be patient just gotta wait it out i must say i wasn't here for uh, when you guys discussed the trade what did they all say about my trade Oh, uh, you'll have to tune into the episode that drops tomorrow on all streaming uh, platforms. So, thank you for the uh, the leeway there into yeah, the into the, the plug. Yeah, um, all streaming platforms tomorrow. Dynasty Force podcast. If you need the exact name, title, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, I'm sure you listen to. Uh, we are there. You can leave a review. You can subscribe. You can you know check us out. Um, Chris. Detroit Beastie, our part-time guest host. Well, I'm sorry, part-time host, we'll say. Um, Honorary check, member. I'll settle for that. That's fine. Your check Thanks. is in the mail for your, you. your next appearance. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to say before we head out here? No, absolutely great time per usual, and uh, thanks for having me. You know, uh, if you're ever in a pinch, all I need is five, <laughs> five or ten minutes heads up, and I'm there. Thank you. Hey, congratulations on uh, being on the Undroppables, by the way. I saw that. Thank you very much. It's uh, it was uh, it was a calculated move, so uh, I'm happy to be there, and uh, thank you so much. Yeah, um, Trey at FF Superflex Guru on Twitter. I'll shout out again for Billy here at Getting Bills on Twitter. And then me at Fantasy Force FB, looking ahead to the off season here. It's about to get hot and heavy, so hope you're all ready because it's about to be a ride here. Um, on behalf of the Dynasty Force podcast, logging out here for this Wednesday, March third. Excited to see you all again next week here. Thanks so much. Enjoy your week.